This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The Treehouse, Saps Rising, a.k.a. Your Turn in the Treacle Well, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Show three. Very good morning to everybody. Uh, I think if you look on Instagram, uh, Louise Pepper over the other side of the table there is... Um, has taken a photograph of the uh, hastily scribbled introduction, <laughs> yes. which I hope you'll appreciate. And by show three is now a good ten minutes long, Very and, and I promise to you, it's going to get longer every week. Yesterday's show, <laughs> aka your turn in the treacle well. Now I've got a, a finely honed script. You have, as I as I have every week for you, perhaps. Swat. But but uh, um, what we um, you said SWAT. Yes. The Akond of SWAT. Do you know about the Akond of SWAT? I don't know what an Akond is. Oh, alone. well, I'll tell you who gets all the uh, all the heat and all the publicity is uh, King Zog of Albania in certain well, circles. Well, yeah. Um, and by that I mean when people like to come up with um, you know uh, over the top, puffed up potentate names, they always look at King Zog of Albania okay, and right. various others and uh, wazirs and stuff. But the Akond of SWAT was very famous for a short while, and Edward Lear wrote a wonderful poem called The Akond of Swat. If you were on the internet over there, you could look it up. Because um, I used to think it was an imaginary character, but it's not. No. The Akond of Swat. I don't know where Swat is or what an Akond is, but there was somebody called that. Oh, yeah. okay. So, uh, and well, I'll tell you what, you today. we will appoint somebody. Ooh. If somebody gets in touch with us via the various offices and tells yeah. us uh, why they were a, a the hopeless Akond Swat, Swat, you will be the show's official Akond of Swat. So, uh, well, we were going to say something else then, or I was. Oh, I know where it was. Mm. My finely honed script yeah. over here, is, as usual, is, is now being tossed out the window because just as we were going to come on, and you may have noticed I didn't join in that particular conversation because I thought, oh, you did the weather on television at one point. I did, did yes. you? When did, when you, well, you stood in front well, of the... But you've not, you not got a meteorological bone in your oh, body. Dear. How, so what, I had how, a little training. How did you do, get to do the weather? Like, yeah, the weather? in the morning, yeah. Did you? Uh, well, because, you, as you know, my background was travel. Yeah. So the no, tele- your, back, your background is a broadcaster, but you... you, you <laughs> I've they, in a little travel. But, 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 you know, they've always kept you on the fringes. When, in 
effect now, of course, on the world stage. Here is Louise Finally, Pepper. my moment has come. Well, um, you so, did... Oh. So they then wanted someone to do the travel in the morning, but if you did the travel, you had to do the weather as well. Yeah. So I had to go and have a little bit of training, and yes, stand there in front when, of the When screen. you say a little bit of training, what they said, that's Scotland, that's Ireland, off you go. No, this is cumulonimbus. <laughs> this oh, you did all of that? that yeah. Wow. you had to had... do a little exam and yeah. everything, yeah. So, uh, and, and, and... I can't remember a and you thing said, of it. And, and how long were you on screen? Was it always um, a fixed point, or did you have to feel like crazy? It was, um, it was roughly about a minute and a half, so I would do a few roads and the rails, and then I'd do the weather bit. Well, you know what? If, if anyone out there wants to write uh, a, ver- a, a nice, concise little uh, national weather forecast, Peps will once again step into those <laughs> shoes and we'll do it on the next one. We'll bring you the general weather. Uh, <laughs> Very uh, general. I, I didn't know that about you. I'm, not, I'm, I'm well, wildly you impressed. Well, you missed my moments every I'm morning for impressed. about ten months. Uh, as usual, this show is going to try and stay on course. We seem to have been... <laughs> we We've bro- already gone well off now. Now, here's what I want to do first. OK. Uh, if I can find the right music for this, uh, because you know normally I, I throw things out at you and yeah. you say who's that, and okay. I reveal that almost on this day they, these people the were. Yeah, come the swaps yeah. has already. Well, I've got a list of names now, and I'm going to ask you at the end what connects them. Here we go. Oh, this is like one of the things in the Sunday papers. Marcy McDonald. Stephanie Delaney... Well, I'm just going to stop on, so I'm going to stop that again. What, the, uh, and stay with this, everyone. I know this is not your usual bang for your buck on a podcast, uh, but th- this is quite a long list of names. Oh, OK, right. And when I, say quite, when I say quite a long list of names, you may want to skip this podcast and go straight to the next one. <laughs> Some of them have that 15-second, 30-second jump forward. How long should we tell Here them? we go. No, I, I think it's an enjoyable list of names. OK. Uh, uh, there was a show in the 60s called The World of Beachcomber by Spike Milligan's Beachcomber. J.B. Morton is one of my heroes right up there with P.G. Woodhouse and S.J. Perelman. And he used to do the list of the hunting Huntingdonshire cabmen. And all it was was an actor on stage reading out names of cabmen in Huntingdonshire. And to me, that was... Never mind anything else. That was the 60s. Uh, so we're going to partial return here. Here comes a list of names. Hang on to it, everyone, because when I reveal at the end what it is, your, your socks will roll up and down your legs. Marcy MacDonald. Stephanie Delaney. Victoria Ernest, Catherine Johnson, Rachel Jennings Prescott, Charlotte Devane, Valerie Hosborn, Francis Hunter, Carol Dennings, Priscilla Ralph, Kathleen Archer, Lisa Waters, Nina Morgan Stewart, Chase Jones, Kathleen Briggs, Sharon Goodwin, Demel Goen Rankin, Julia Santiago, Gloria Mascari, Vivian Alvers, Maria Valles, Guadalupe Chavez, Eileen Shelton, Hannah Glennie, Bonnie Lee Blakely, Emily Salerno, Linda Wolfe and Christine Comacho. What do you think could possibly link those women? Members of Pants people. That's a very good answer. No. They were all the wives of Glyn Wolfe and not... In a, a bigamous sense, he married all those women oh. at different times. He is the is his birthday My today. Next guess was going to be Miss World. No, he is the world's most married man, and those are all the women who married him at different times. His longest his longest uh, 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 marriage was eleven years. Quite... Oh, the music is there in the background. Give it, give it some Wellington boot because we're honouring the man. Um, his longest marriage is eleven years. Some only lasted a couple of months. But all of those names, all of those women, married the same man uh, over the span of his lifetime. He... I did. I did like that in the midst of the very exotic, 
the very sort he of seems to have gone south of the border. He then went for an Eileen. <laughs> yes, he did. He seemed to. Have, he was a Baptist minister. <laughs> Between all those wives, he had a hundred children. Oh, when boy. He, when he died, no wife or no child turned up at his oh. his funeral. Now, when, when was this? <laughs> uh, he died in 1997. Oh, crumbs, this isn't some 19th century... Uh... Uh, and by the way, he married Sharon Goodwin twice, uh, Kathleen Archer twice, and Maria Velez they twice. They back for more. Well, here's the thing, Peps. I don't hope to understand the female psyche. I wouldn't presume... But you'd have thought, by the time you got to Gloria Muscari, wife number 19, and she said, you've been married before? Yes. <laughs> 18 times. <laughs> oh, you you're a bluebeard. <laughs> how? And then after, you know, five wives after that, he meets Bonnie Lee Blakely. You've been married before? 24 times. <laughs> Shall we do it? How could a woman have then said, you know, this one's, this time it's for keeps, as they used to say. <laughs> the, um... He must have had some charm to, to reel <laughs> them in. He must have had some charm, all right. I but know. yet none of them wanted to be there to pay their last respects. No, no, uh, yeah, no. He was obviously a wretch in some ways. But the, the, <laughs> and we'll move on from this because. But his name is Glyn Wolf, a Baptist minister. Hundred wow. kids, and normally you think, well, he was, you know, uh, polygamy or whatever it is. No, these were all marriages that were either annulled. Some of the women died, uh, they, you know, divorced, oh. and all. but he, it makes Henry VIII look like a lot of fuss about nothing. Glyn Wolf, everybody. I feel a side podcast coming on. <laughs> give us a note from over there, Peps. Now this is. For, oh no, shall I give the topics? I should, oh yes, yes. Like... Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, we've got, we've got some fixed points in this universe. Okay. Uh, what are we doing today? Number one. Yeah. When people say, you know. Who that was you were speaking to, don't you? I know that we had, but somebody once years ago uh, talked to two people in um, Jaywick hmm. in Essex on the seafront. Two young fellas, they were asking about a restaurant or something, and they chatted to him in the, in the early 70s or maybe late 60s. And as they went away, the uh, you know who that was, didn't you? Who? Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys and his brother. <laughs> it was. It was. Was it? I mean, yeah. They, the Beach Boys asked the way to a restaurant in Jaywick in the early 70s. Uh, so we're doing that one, yes. Number two, how have you been described? Anything on that, perhaps? Well, weather, well, weather person. Well, exactly. But um, my... Um... Mm-hmm. Friend, I, th- I can't remember if it's her grandma or her sister's boyfriend could only distinguish between my friend Fiona. There was the three of us, me, Fiona and Rachel, between me and Rachel with blonde and noisy and dark and noisy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fairly accurate. Well, and that? <laughs> blonde and noisy, I think, still applies. Number three, famous clothing you have worn. Mm-hmm. Number four, doing a job that no longer exists. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously people can... Uh... <laughs> Return to that was the week that was, and say, so, "Oh, I was in the car industry." You know, no, it's not, it's not that. It's a, I mean, someone like a TV repairman. TV repairman was a, a good living, but nobody has a TV repaired anymore, did they? Well, we were talking about Stevie Doors last week, weren't we? Yes, we were. Maybe not even on the podcast. My but, dad yeah. was part of the Doctors and Stevie Doors mm. union, but certainly, um, uh, I mean, because chimney sweeps have come roaring back, TV repairman never. Yeah, is. milkmen are making a comeback as well. Now. That's a good thing. Yeah, that is a tremendous thing. Uh, and number five, fake accents. Fake accents. Oh, we've got a belter on that coming up. And remember, even if you've never heard this before and think, when's this going to settle down? We plan to settle down about 2028 (laughs) because this is the show that, like a thunderclap, if you remember this, Peps, broke to the world, you cannot hum and hold your nose. Oh! You remember that? 
You cannot harm. Let, let me, let, let, perhaps you're now going to demonstrate this. You, just, uh, I will point to you when you need to hold your nose. But okay. uh, and wherever you are at the moment, I know you're on trains and stuff, but look around, other people might be doing this. When I broke that the you cannot hum and hold your nose, then the, 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 it, was, it was, say, like a thunderclap over the media. So uh, just a piece of um, non-generic music. When we, <laughs> when we get the rights to It's Bernie, you'll be able to do that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if this isn't what broadcasting is all about, I'll, let, I'll just show you. You can't. It runs back up your nose. It's a lovely one for Christmas Day. It's a beaut, and that and counting your teeth with your tongue are the two <laughs> things that we hope to have uh, uh, brought to the broadcast world. Uh, what you got there, Peps? Uh, this is from Sarah. This is following on from one of our previous topics, childhood worries. Hi, team. Up until the age of eight, I was convinced that if you died of natural causes, it would happen on your birthday. Oh. I suspect I may have heard about William Shakespeare dying on his birthday. Oh. But it led to some very stressful birthdays. Of course. Uh, Shakespeare also. Did show not Shakespeare? There's something beautifully circular about it, isn't it? There's, um... He's something like, like uh, 8th of April or something like that. Something, yeah, something, and there's people April. who do die on their birthdays. It's, uh, and he thought that if that's what natural she causes... That that was, yeah. Man, it's a, a, in the background. I've got to watch out the music I'm playing. Not that I'm learning this, so it's all over the place. But when the sausage sandwich game returns, <laughs> we're figuring out how to do it at the moment. Uh, when the sausage sandwich game comes back, I've got to reserve one piece of music for it, which is this. The old sausage sandwich game will be back. Uh, I've got a book here. Okay. Without letting daylight in upon me, I've got a book with every single subject uh, we ever did uh, on the on the sausage sandwich game. Nothing will oh. cause us such controversy as the order of your cutlery drawer. The order of your cutlery drawer. Now, when we've got the Instagram page going now, uh, I need two things from you: take a photograph of the order of your cutlery, so we can just <laughs> build the building blocks of the show again. Now, how is yours arranged? Knife, fork, spoons from from left to right. Fork, knife, spoon. Anarchy. Fork, knife, Anarchy. spoon at the top. All civilised people agree. Spoons. Even my own parents contacted me that day. All civilised. how wrong I was. All civilised people. Did they used to do that when you said it was going to rain and it didn't? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's whether my hair looked good or not with my mum. Yeah, my mum would text me and go, oh, your hair looks better today. Or well, a bit rat's taily today. If people get in touch with weather, then Peps will read it. Any, any <laughs> sort of weather. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all civilised people agree. Spoons. Forks in the middle, oh. knives then, and then in the long thing you have the the carving knives and stuff. Down the bottom, little tray of the teaspoons. But yes. take take your own photographs and and send them in to us, please. So, uh, in the sausage sandwich game, in this I've just opened this at random. Mm. Dita Hedman, don't know who that was. Uh, uh, said, when did you get your? When did she get her ears pissed? At the age of three, before the age of three, between the ages of four and seven, or older? Now, these were great questions. I miss it as much as the audience, I hope. Uh, and the second question was, when she thinks about the house she lived in as a child, the last letter of the street she lived in was A to H, I to N, or O to Z. We've got to do the sausage sandwich game again. We has to do it. Anyway, uh, welcome aboard, everyone. The show seems to have started by its own accord, as usual. Uh, so we're going to go with this email, I think, which is pretty good. I want all two football ones. I'll, I'll keep them for the other show. Uh, <laughs> 
Breaking something in someone's house. That's oh, okay. a subject that's going at the moment as well. I was staying with good friends in Italy, and I woke up one morning and I went to the kitchen. This is from our uh, good friend Chris. Uh, I went to the kitchen to prepare a cup of tea. He had one of those ovens with a glass top on that you put a, put up when you weren't using it. You know, oh, uh, yes, I remember that. Heart in the mouth when you go to stay in a house abroad and you think... <laughs> mm, and All civilised people agree gas, yes? Yes. Of course. Yes. No, waiting for that. Red, anyway. Uh, there can't be any argument for electric. Oh, no, well, my parents have got one of those it. induction ones that if you even lay a piece of paper somewhere near it, starts telling you off and beeping at you. Oh, Does it? I can't be <laughs> doing with it. I like oh. bullying machines. Yes. And the uh, bullying machines is a tremendous thing because it's a Basil Forty thing. But anyway, I do apologise, Chris, you were talking to us. I've stayed with good friends in Italy and woke one morning. I went to the kitchen to prepare a cup of tea. It had one of those ovens with a glass top that you put up and down when you weren't using it. That's a waste of time, isn't it? I wasn't familiar, so I proceeded to put the kettle on top of the glass uh, on, on top of the glass to boil it. Hey presto, it exploded with a tremendous report into a million pieces. Down came our hosts. I don't, to, I don't know what's happened there. <laughs> I said, I don't know what's happened there. I'm sure they saw a whiff of guilt. They looked at me. It just exploded, did it? <laughs> it just... I, I was over that side of the room. You're lucky. You're lucky I'm not suing you. Anyway, nothing was ever said again. But yes, he is... Uh, he he apologises for some of the spelling mistakes. <laughs> he sent that via his phone. Something from there, Peps. Uh, this is from Neil. How have you been described? Many years ago, as a young single man, I attended a friend's wedding. He had a town crier announcing the name of every guest as they entered the reception. <laughs> because my rather mundane name seemed a little ordinary to be bellowed across a cavernous hall, do yourself down. Neil Chapel is a very nice name, very appropriate yeah. for a wedding. And because a posse of work colleagues were in attendance, I embellished somewhat and said my name was Terence Biscuit. The best... <laughs> The best I could come up with at such short notice. Sure enough, the enthusiastic moment announced Mr. Terence Biscuit to the throng. As I walked into the room, I was then greeted by the line of family members. The groom's father, a rather well-to-do man, took one look at me and said, Well, I must say, you look more of a Terry than a Terence. Mm. To this day, it's the most withering thing anyone has ever said to my face. And I don't think it was even intended as an insult. Terence Biscuit. Nom de plumes. Uh, well, we've got again and, and another, perhaps the list is going on and on, but anyone who's ever had to invent a nom de plume, uh, love to hear from you. Uh, there are a couple of other bits of business for we. Uh, today, as I speak, uh, this is the 2nd of December. No, it's the 3rd. 3rd yes. of December. Well, we should have an advent calendar. Here's another thing for the Instagram, and we'll only accept... Well, no, whoever's in charge of the Instagram account will do the... Uh, but just take a picture uh, of the view from your window. OK. The dollar and the more ugly the better. <laughs> I know it's rotten. Maybe you're in work now and all you look out on is... Uh, when I was worked in Carnaby Street, somebody had thrown a, a pie onto a half... Uh, well, a third eaten pie onto the top of an awning of the shop opposite. And we watched it decay <laughs> over the years. We did. We said, no, years. This, yeah, over years, years. We said, no birds took it, no rats. And it was joined up there by a, 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 a what used to be called a sneaker, a training shoe after a little time. Uh, and so, so that's uh, what we need you to do is take a photograph out your window now, send it to our Instagram account, which Peps will give you the details of soon. And uh, 
and that will be our advent calendar. Yeah. Actual window views, actual windows you can look out of, but only the most spectacularly dull views, please. Uh, what is it? So that's... either tag us on Instagram at the Treehouse Pod or tweet it to us and then we'll stick it on the Instagram and that's also at the Treehouse Pod, so that's easy uh, uh, enough. And um, we have a call-up. Oh, do we, do we really? Oh, good. No, no, no. no. Oh, never, never. It's like a barber shop. Three chairs, no waiting. Who's this tugging out Adam, this morning? Adam, I think. Hey, Adam. Hi, Danny. Adam, I'll give you a bit more upbeat music for that. Uh, thank you for joining us, Adam. There is a system and you're good enough to have uh, uh, taken part in that. What are you calling us about, Adam? Well, uh, I was calling you about... I uh, listened in your first episode, your hmm. dress rehearsal, whatever you wanted to call it. <laughs> demo. Of, uh... It was the demo. The dress rehearsal <laughs> is in, in a month's time and the actual pilot is in three months' time. But uh, continue, <laughs> my friend. OK. Anyway, it was to do with um, the question about why do you put on a fake accent. Why would you put, why, it, why would you put on a fake accent, Adam? Well, it made me reminisce about when I was 19, about 35 years ago. My father, my now late father, hmm. uh, was an actor. Um, oh. he used to dip, well, he, he went to drama school, hmm. uh, left drama school, went to Hollywood to try and make his name. Oh, unfortunately, Hollywood! Unfortunately, he didn't make it. As a, as a sort of a, it, it, a popular actor. Adam, it's, it's the and... town of broken dreams. That's what it is. Exactly. It's the town of broken... Exactly. Did, if you might say your old man, top of his CV, what might that have been? Uh, he was in um, Last of the Mohicans. Was, was he? Oh, come on. Yeah. Eugene Gatchkoff? No, no, not, no not, the, not the latest one. The one years and years and years ago. Oh, and when he was in Hollywood, he worked with Jack Benny on a, on a oh, show. So he, did, he did a couple of little bits. Um, but in the UK, not so much. He did... Uh, Zed cars and uh, do you remember Howard's Way? This fella knows how to Come do it. On. This is stealth. <laughs> this is stealth. Anyway, still, one second, my one second, Adam. Let's enjoy yeah. this. This is stealth boasting of a tremendous <laughs> measure. <laughs> oh, was, oh, my poor old daddy went up he to was, much he, except he, for he was Chingach Cook in Last of the Mohicans. He he worked. I mean, Zed cars and Howard's Way. You should have seen Pep's eyes. Anyway, uh, forgive oh, me. There you go. Off, there uh, you so, go. Adam, why did you have to put on an accent? Right. Well, anyway, he he kept dipping his toes into various things over the years. Mm -hmm. And um, back in 1985, mm -hmm. he um, had an audition for the soon-to-be-filmed version, cinematic version of Little Shop of Horrors. And uh, uh -huh. to our surprise, he actually got a part. He got um, to say a few lines, or he? he was due to say a few lines in... I don't know if you know the story of Little Shop of Horrors I, very I, I, well. I but, do, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, he, he, his scene was in Mushnik's shop, um, and uh, it was all around the time where Audrey II, the plant, was getting very popular, and Seymour, uh -huh. who's played by Rick Moranis, was yeah. um, was dealing with all the customers coming into the shop that now wanted to buy anything. Hmm. Anyway, so he managed to wangle it, because I've, I've always wanted to be an actor when I was younger, and he managed to wangle it that I could go with him to Pinewood Studios for the day and watch the filming, which was just fantastic for oh, me, so I was really... really Really, really pleased. Anyway, on the day of the shooting, literally as we were driving through the gates of Pinewood Studios, my dad said to me rather casually, oh, I meant to say, uh, there's nothing to worry about, but this film is strictly an American production and the actors that are in it are only Americans. Mm -hmm. so, so I said, oh, OK, so how did you get the part then if you're... English, oh. and he said, "Oh, he said, oh, don't worry." He said, "My agent told me to wing it, so I pretended and I put on an American accent." And I, he's an actor, oh, your dad. He's, yeah, a, he's exactly, good. Exactly. He's good. Yeah, and, uh, and they and they believed me. So I said, "Oh, okay." And he said, "Anyway, before we go in, if anyone speaks to you, 
you'll need to put uh, an American accent on, otherwise I'll get found out, all right? So I said, what? Well, I don't even know if I can, if I can do an American accent. Why didn't you tell me this before? How old were you at this point? I was 19. 19. <laughs> so yeah. what I thought was going to be a fantastic day, I was absolutely petrified. I didn't know what to do. Anyway, so we went, we went into the studios and this really lovely set with Skid Row and then straight away I got... Um, asked by this uh, member of crew if I could go and stand in the corner. So I thought, what do I say? What do I say? So I blurted out something stupid like sure thing. Or what? <laughs> that's exactly what really I thought. Really awful, really awful sure American thing. accent. I thought, yeah. well, that's me Sure thing, out. buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's me found out. Anyway, they sort of <clears> smiled at me and pointed me over in the direction stand in the corner. And I thought, oh, maybe, I, maybe I've got something here. Maybe, maybe I'm, it's not so hard. This acting business is is, is really easy. Mm. Anyway, it was a long old day, extremely repetitive, and all the, the same scene was filmed over and over again. But I got to see Frank Oz, um, you know, the director, yeah, who was Fozzie Bear's voice. Who was, ah. you know, used to love them up. <laughs> anyway. yeah. uh-huh. So I spent a few hours chatting to people here and there, convinced that I'd now sussed the accent, and then. By the middle of the afternoon, there was a break in the filming, and I, I happened to turn, and I saw that I was standing next to Mr. Mushnick himself. I don't know if you know um, Vincent Gardenia, if you remember yeah, him. Yeah, of course, Vincent Gardenia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very big actor. So I thought, I've got to go and chat to him. So I went up to him, and I said, oh, you know, just to make conversation, how, how long have you been filming? And he said, oh, about a couple of weeks. I'm doing another film at the moment, bloody, bloody, blah. And, it, and then he looked at me, and he said, so how come you've got an English accent? And then I realised that I'd dropped my guard, and when I was talking to him, oh. I was talking in my English accent. This, this seems very strict on the set. You could say, um, "Well, what did, what, how did you get around it? What did you say?" Well, uh, well, this is the thing. I thought, "Well, what am I going to say? Am I going to get my dad to sack? Is he never going to work again?" Oh, so, uh, I, so I, I blurted out, oh, "Oh, my dad's American, but I was born over in the UK, and I've lived here since birth." Nice, that's and clever. And yeah. I thought, well, that, hopefully that will do. And he seems to placate him. And, and he, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't unfriendly or anything, but he's just looked a bit puzzled. But he said, oh, OK, that's fine. He said, um, anyway, um, nice to meet your son, and walked mm-hmm. off. And I thought, oh, at least I got away with that. Anyway, on the way home that night, I told my dad about it, and we had a bit of a laugh. Mm-hmm. And the following year, when the movie came out, we went to see it. And uh, we're sitting there, and I, I remember thinking about it at the, the year before and about how I speak to myself. Sorry, but when you're in a film, and you're in a film, you, you had to pay to go to see your own film. This doesn't seem right. Surely you can ring up Warner, well... Warner, Warner Brothers and say, listen, uh, I'm going to see the film, so put, put me two on the aisle. Would you, you, you have to pay to see your own... I, yeah. I don't think his part was big enough, sadly. Oh, as right. I say, and he had two or three lines. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we all went as a family, and we were I was sort of sitting there, and then the scene came out, because I remembered it, because it had been filmed so many times. Mm-hmm. And his part had been cut uh, after all that. Oh, man. And I thought, That's your fault. I, I, thought, <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if he, Vincent Gardini yeah. had actually sucked The guys are phoning. Yeah. Yeah. The guys are, and how about you? Did you survive in it at all? That would have been... What, sweet. in acting? Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm thinking the film. If you'd have been in it and the old man isn't... <laughs> <laughs> Young boy in corner. You, you, like you got a nice like juicy that. cutaway as you <laughs> chewed gum and looked at your baseball cards. <laughs> well, bless you, Adam. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Adam is one of the great actors of silent film. And uh, But his old man, what a, what a CV the old man had there. Uh, yeah. He, he mentioned, uh, uh, mentioned Rick Moranis there. Yes. And, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. You're gone now. Uh, uh, he mentioned uh, 
<laughs> so you, you mentioned Rick Moranis. Yes. Uh, and Rick Moranis is one of the few actors to walk away from stardom. You know that. He, uh, he's, it's, it's, it's a touching tale. He's, he's, Did he? Yeah, his wife died. And he's, he just there was no point. He wasn't a, a, a particularly enamoured of it, but after Ghostbusters 2 and a few mm. movies, big, you know, big, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, he just decided it's not for me anymore. And he lives very privately. And he makes country... Is he still... I, I yes, he makes... A, he's it, still with us, The only time he ever pops up, he makes... Uh, uh, he writes and makes his own country and western records but it's not because um, you know the business moved away from him he just decided one day uh, that'll do me that, that, that's enough uh, and Doris Day do the same Doris Day, yes, yeah. she's carried on making records. Very few but Rick Moranis, at the top of his game, decided mm. that. I think Edward G. Robinson did it. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think so. That some actors at the top of the game just said, "That's it. Only it's not for now, me." Thanks. Well, and now we've got something for you, everybody. <laughs> About time, isn't it? We've got something for you now because uh, we have been trying to establish all the old offices again, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Yes, I can live with this. Uh, but one of the things we concocted on the old show, which we've got to get all the files back. Mm. It's like going back to divorced partners and saying, can I have my clothes? They've got all my all my sound effects up there. But uh, there I walk into the building again. But we will get them back. But it was the dying toys. Oh. And, and Peps, I want to describe for us what, how it got going, Peps. So um, Wilbur was given um, a... Wilbur being... My son. Yeah. Uh, was given a ladybird that that sort of does uh, noises in a light show that was supposed to help him sleep at a time when yeah. he was not sleeping for us and you'll try anything. And then we tried it one day and found that its batteries were dying and it made a plaintive sound. And so I thought, I know who like that. It, it, it's, we, it, we did do it a while back with doorbells, yes. people's doorbells. When the batteries are running out, they, they make tremendous noises. Mm. And so it's anything where the batteries are running out or it's dying. Now, I've never seen the actual real one. We used to play the effect a lot. It's um, slightly different, I thought. It's got a hard ladybird shell on it and a, yeah. and a soft toy underneath it's, it. Yes, it's slightly... Un- but as, I rem- as we were talking in the week, I suddenly realised it was still in the cupboard and still hasn't had its batteries replaced. Now, we don't know if it's dead as a dodo. We don't know no. whether it's uh, got refreshed. That'd be very disappointing. <laughs> uh, we're going to now, uh, live here in the studio, press it. Uh, let me give it some... Uh, when we're going to press it and see whether it still makes the strangulated noises of a dying toy. So off you go. Okay. very good. That's tremendous. He does four tunes. Should we try another yeah, one? Yeah, try another one. Yeah. Don't rush them. Oh. Has oh, he, is it, that it? Hang on. Has he died on the air? Oh. I think that's the end of him. Oh no! Oh, oh no! He died. <laughs> that is so fitting. It actually died live. Oh! Oh, he had another two tunes to go. He just did. What a oh. trooper! What a trooper! Oh look, his light still works. Oh, this is this is. Well, I hate to say it, but it's like Sid James going <laughs> in his dressing room in Sunderland. That that is how and, and Arthur Lowe, they went in the harness, and that is how our ladybird oh. should have gone. Just a moment here, everyone. Turn the backing up just for a second. <laughs> 
what are the Ladybird's dates? When did you buy it? Um, it was given to Wilbur uh, roughly March 2016. Could I just handle the deceased a moment? Ladybird. By summer. Made in China. Wipe clean or air dry. Warm wash. 30 degrees. Registered in the US at Wound Socket. 02864. The Ladybird. We hardly knew you. Sorry, sorry, oh. I've got to change the mood. How about that dear old ladybird? Oh, we couldn't have told died, that they would have died on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, we should have gone at the edge. Should have turned around and gone. Thank you. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, anything you've got like that, please record it. Uh, I, I'm not sure where you send it. Uh, I oh, think we've got a. Uh, our got, email <laughs> is thetreehouse at somethingelse.com. But how can you send a sound effect to that? Can well, you? And a file, yeah. Oh, you can, OK, because I know we've got the world's last answer oh, phone, haven't well, we? Well, yes, we do. <laughs> Ring us. We'll do it live. 0207 250 5686. OK, uh, my phones are playing up now. OK. <laughs> I think the word ramshackle is awfully overused, but this show might just be it. Um, now, uh, here's something on the um, 1931. On the 4th of December 1931, Alka-Seltzer hit the market. Now, oh, okay. I don't know if you still see Alka-Seltzer. No. I don't know if you still see Alka Seltzer. Forgive me if you're an Alka Seltzer salesman out there. What was in it? It's, uh, it's various things. It's got aspirin in it. Oh, okay. So there was some. It wasn't. Well, it was just... used, but it wasn't actually it was a always... hangover thing. But that was what was always a, a, a trope, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was the thing. Uh, and it was, of course, uh, being owned by. Uh, and I'll give you some Alka Seltzer stuff in a second. Uh, but uh, being that it was owned by Bayer, who were the big German, mm. or were the big German uh, pharmaceutical company, who, in reparations after the First World War, had to give away all their brand names to America. No. And, Amer- and aspirin was one of their brand names. It was the active, they, they, you know, it was their copyright. They had to give that to America in reparations. And the other brand name they had to give, heroin. No. They marketed heroin and aspirin. They're both brand names. How about that? Wow. Heroin was, you know, like cocaine used to be used mm. to things. But Bayer had to give all their, uh, in after the First World War. And so the states got to work on it, put it into Alka-Seltzer. Uh, and, and you won't remember the Alka-Seltzer, Speedy, the Alka-Seltzer boy, do you? No. Oh, mate. It was, it was his, <laughs> this sounds dubious at best. No, his body was an Alka-Seltzer, big round Alka-Seltzer. It was very popular in the 60s. I mean, as popular as... Um, uh, uh, as any character at a Frozen. Uh, and his hat was an Alka-Seltzer. And, uh, oh. yes, he was, and he used to be very, very popular. He used to be on the television. Kids loved him, and the kids couldn't get enough of that good Alka-Seltzer. Uh, so it, it, the, the point is, the, the advert before that, the before Speedy became their... Uh, how about this? I read, a, read about this this morning. In the previous advert, it had featured a man and his own stomach sitting opposite each other in chairs. Oh! I know! And the stomach would say, you're not treating me right. <laughs> I, I need Alka-Seltzer. Oh, I can see how the meeting developed. Well... <laughs> I know what... <laughs> 
<laughs> but the, uh, on that, it wasn't just any old voice, the voice of the stomach. It was an actor looking for voiceover, but possibly even doing the weather. Gene Wilder. It's one of Gene Wilder's oh. first ever. He was the voice. Not Adam's dad. Not Adam's dad. <laughs> one of uh, uh, And so happy birthday, Alka-Seltzer and, uh, and, and Speedy. I think um, I think Speedy in the early 70s came out as bicarbonate and threw himself <laughs> into the sink and effervesced to death. Uh, what have you got over there, Peps? I can either do you an inadvertent theft of the full manager's dog mm-hmm. or we have caller Jed on the line. Well, Jed's going to have to wait there for a second. Uh, <laughs> we can't have this show cluttered up by people calling in every two minutes. Uh, no, Jed, you, you wait right there. But go on, Peps, what you got? Hello, this is Alex. I once accidentally stole the full manager's dog. <laughs> He used to drink in some of the same pubs as I did and we got chatting one night. I ended up going back to his house with a few others for an after-hours sesh. Marquis Smith was there and the Fool's then guitarist. Nothing to report there, I'm afraid. Leaving the house in the early hours and somewhat hazy, I walked the mile or so back home and it was only as I got to my house I realised a small dog had accompanied me. It was the Fool's manager's dog. (laughs) Too tired and emotional to walk all the way back and without a phone number to call, I let the dog into my house and it spent the night on the end of my bed. Next day, I took the dog home, and they hadn't noticed it missing. Uh, I could have kept a free dog. Well, uh, uh, as you know, I was instrumental, I think, in bringing the fall to the world. Mm. Uh, It's quite true. Uh, My friend Mark Perry's record label, I suggested them for that, and they made all their first recordings for us, and I ran into John Peel and his producer in a pub, and I said, there's a group you should go and see. No Honestly, this is absolutely true. And John Waters went down to see them in Croydon and said to Peel, Oh, you're going to like that? Have a look at John Peel's book. It, I think, you know, the oh. one he was writing when he went. Yeah, you know, some things I'd pull out of the air, not that. Now, here's our friend Jed. Hey, Jed! Take as long as you like. He's got the ump because we said... Maybe, maybe, who could blame him? Is our friend Jed there? Jed! Hello. Oh, Hello. I, I like, can you hear me? Could, yes, of course I can uh, now, Jed. Uh, and I like this uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, long, eggy introductions. If anyone calls the show, by all means, have some fun with it. Yep. Uh, yeah, why are you tugging our coat this morning, uh, Jed? What's the story? <coughs> um, I wrote in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wrote an email in about the um, time when I uh, phoned your. Sorry to bring back painful memories, but I um, I'm claiming that I was the uh, last person who didn't get on your. Oh, you, so you you were um, you were what you were waiting. The, the, events. The, I was waiting in line. Yes, yeah, and yeah. then five o'clock came around. Yeah, and time ran out, which was fine. <laughs> um, and here and you are, nine I, years later. <laughs> Go on. Well, yes, but the basically the um, I can't, I it waited till five o'clock, and the researcher who I'd spoken to was very enthusiastic about my uh, hilarious anecdote. Yeah. So he said, um, "Don't worry, I'll call you tomorrow, mm. uh, and we'll do it again tomorrow." Mm. Uh, and the very next day, the very next morning, uh, you were sacked. Yeah, yeah. tomorrow never <laughs> came. So therefore, <laughs> exactly, I never got to, my chance. To, to, as Peps just said, this... tomorrow never came. But now. Is this the story you were going to tell then? And and this is the same story? Uh, It is, yeah. I thought I'd... um, Brilliant. Well, wait several years. I don't know how how long... I can't remember how long ago that was. But um, but I'd wait several years and then find the time to uh, tell you in person. I was... uh, uh, Sorry, sorry, Pepsi. You'd better tell this really well. It'd be any good, Jed. But but before you you tell it, uh, I know exactly exactly how Jed feels because uh, uh, Wendy went to John Lewis at Blue Water yesterday and bought three bags worth of stuff and... uh, 
at the when they put it in the car, only put two bags in. Oh. So when we got home, oh yeah, and when we got home, we had to ring them up. We right with you, Jet. Jet's thinking this, this continues, doesn't it? Uh, uh, that's all we've got time for this week, <laughs> anyway. But uh, uh, when we got home, uh, we rang John Lewis Customer Service, and I think it was about uh, about about half an hour shorter than what Jed's been waiting. So I know exactly how this feels, Jed. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and and here we go. This is the nine years in uh, in gestation. Here comes Jed's story. What was the subject? Um, well, you and David Quo were talking about um, oh. your or his hatred of confrontation or something yeah. like that. So I thought, I know, I'll cheer him up by telling him, phoning him and telling him about the funniest fight I ever saw. I uh, know. One second, Jed. Um, I know. I know this is just yep. attracting it, but I happen to have the music we always had in the background when David Quo was on the show. Oh yes. Yeah, so course, let, yes, let, yes. let me let me get that oh, going. Real scene let, setting. Let here. Me, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Shh. And I should say, hey, David, good morning, Candyman. <laughs> this is uh, David's own accompaniment he enjoyed when he used to live in Sarawak. Uh, off you go, my friend. Um, so I was, this is the funniest fight I ever saw. The, um, I was walking through Covent Garden and um, I saw one of those mime artists mm-hmm. who stand still, mm-hmm. statuesque, uh, my artist, mm. um, and for some reason, I kind of stood in front of him and looked at him for three seconds. Mm. And then, at that exact moment, a uh, large-bearded tramp, shall we call him, mm. um, came up behind this mm. statuesque uh, actor mm. and pushed him over. Oh, and that's a, a, that's um, a po- onto his face. Terrible way to uh, treat a pro. All of us are a heartbeat away from <coughs> exactly, doing that for exactly. a living. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, and anyway, so this um, mime chap uh, got up and basically retaliated at this um, uh, embarrassing little scenario. By the way, the um, the crowd had uh, gathered a bit more than. What, who were previously watching him yeah. by now. But anyway, the um, so a contretemps ensued. Uh, and what the tramp had failed to uh, mm. <clears throat> kind of uh, realise was that... So the mime artist was dressed uh, as a tin soldier yeah. and he had what presumably was a fake uh, rifle, but it definitely contained what appeared to be a very real bayonet. <laughs> On the end of the rifle. Hooray! Now, this is... Yeah, um, Okay. Yeah. So, um, anyway, the tramp persisted at trying to put, you know, push him off. Disrupt the act. Disrupt the act. Well, go for him. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and he he was all kind of Catherine Wheelie for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why. Mm -hmm. But the... um, Anyway, the chap, the uh, tin soldier chap, Mm -hmm. basically was... um, Proceeded to prod him a lot yeah. with the. I'm mean, presuming he wasn't stabbing him, but he was. Uh, he was prodding him uh, with, the end, with, with his the end of bayonet. It. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. And um, and the, tra- <laughs> the tramp would uh, would would go <laughs> a real kind of cartoon yowl of like ow um, uh, every time he got. He got kind of prodded, now, but kept on coming back for more. But here's the point. Here's the, uh, the, 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 the crowd by this time has got even bigger. I was going to say, Jed, how no was it... intervening? How was, no, 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 perhaps you've got to look at this from the <laughs> angle of an agent here. How was it going down with the crowd? Pretty pretty big. 
Well, obviously, it was. Uh, by the way, apart from the yowls, it mm. was the rest of it was in total silence. Mm. The, uh, it was mime. Uh, We've got the, uh, some respect. <laughs> yeah. Well, quite. Yes, he, yeah. he, was, he was on message, wasn't? He? Yeah. But the um, uh, and yes, the crowd obviously swelled because it was obviously great. Mm. But um, the um, uh, and it just persisted and persisted when until the. Trump, frankly, lost interest. And it, it definitely brightened up the act. But, but I was going to say, here's the thing. If I, I, I bet we get called now saying, oh, I saw that with the Trump and the mime thing. They used to do it every five times a day. <laughs> unless they repair to the, unless they repair well, to the little pub on, uh, repair to the little pub on the corner at that point. And he said, uh, listen, uh, uh, let me buy you a drink, because that I've been doing this solo for ages. <laughs> and what we just did there had something. And ladies and gentlemen, that was how Mike and Bernie Winters got their start uh, but there were nine years in the ingesting that call and it was worth most of the time uh, what have you got over there peps uh, this is from andy who i think is in new zealand um oh, this is getting you. locked in somewhere ah. hi dan me and my mate were forgotten in a building once they forgot to let us out of prison we, we were sent to New Plymouth Prison to service all the gas heaters. We made our way around the prison, escorted by a guard who would open and close the gates for us and make sure we stayed out of trouble. We were in a classroom servicing a gas heater when the guard's radio made a crackling noise and he said, there's an emergency, I have to go, I'll come back. He left the room and locked us in. We serviced the heater and waited and waited and waited. And at first it was funny. We were sitting and waiting, we didn't care, we were getting paid. After an hour or so, though, <laughs> we got bored. We banged on the door. It didn't work. We pushed a panic button on the wall. That didn't work either. Luckily, the room overlooked a car park. So we opened the window a tiny crack that it would and yelled at a guard as she turned up. Let us out, love. She just laughed and told us to naff off. In a prison, is this? Yes. <laughs> you can Let us out. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't pop home, get some sheets, knock them together and get us out of here, could you? Eventually, we <laughs> convinced her we were serious and had not been convicted and she did come and let us out thinking our predicament hilarious the guard who had locked us in had dealt with the emergency shift was finished and had gone home tremendous story who is that from that's from andy thank you very much indeed andy this is a uh, uh, from chris another chris this is a uh, uh, jobs that no longer exist and this is an absolute pip this is an absolute pip uh Jobs that no longer exist. I used to do the price changes at Sainsbury's. Every Saturday, I'd scrape off all the old price stickers and use a price gun to put the new prices on. I could do a tray of baked beans in about 20 seconds. Cereals were the worst because you had to be careful not to damage the cardboard boxes. Now, they just change the shelf label and, of course, the uh, barcodes. Yeah, gone. Didn't everyone want to go on a price Every... gun? In the Science Museum in London here, and I don't know if it's still there. I was there last week. How are we doing on time? Are we done? Oh, we're done. Oh, okay. Well, but in the Science Museum in mm. London, uh, let me let me find a proper Science Museum. Here we go. In the Science Museum in London, uh, when the um, automated tills with barcodes first come up, there was a, a, a checkout in there, and you could sit at it, and it would show you how it worked. And you could, and I, I'm not trying to be condescending to people who do it for a living. You never feel more alive. Dip, dip. It was just it, that was in you the say science that, museum, and now we have those self-service tills, and everyone loads, loads them. Brilliant, a brilliant observation. We've gone full circle. A brilliant observation, but that fellow operated the uh, uh, the, the price gun. Oh, well, I, mean, I, I, I do apologise. I thought gun. the show was about ten minutes long at the moment, but uh, apparently it's not. And uh, science has proved that any podcast that goes on for four hours tends to wear down people. So we're not going to do that, but we are back on Saturday. Just if you got it there, Peps, could you um uh, give us the subjects that 
so far. Okay. Uh, all, all of them so far, or just not like... just some, just some, just this. Okay. Um, when people say, "You know who that was you were speaking to, don't you?" Uh, number two, how have you been described? Famous clothing you have worn, doing a job that no longer exists, fake accent, and uh, some of our, our previous ones. Uh, getting locked in somewhere. All of it. First worries as a child. Well, they, they, we've got their we'll own. Um, we've, we've got our own um, uh, uh, Twitter feed and on my own one at Prod knows. Uh, you can, I'll certainly put a couple of more before we all meet again on Saturday morning. But in the meantime, I think that's pretty much us. And so I'll get a, a very good friend Wisby to close the show as he does. Three, four, three. Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the treehouse, the fire's on, it's warm inside. We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away. In the treehouse, take it away, Daddy! Always do, Wisby. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, the things I asked you to send photographs to Instagram, I'll be absolutely honest with you, I can't remember either of them now. But uh, if you do Cutlery that for drawers, us... yeah, and, and advent calendar windows. There you go. There you go. Uh, there'll be new subjects, but the old ones roll on and on. And don't just wait for us. You can get in touch because we look up, not down. We're a good deed in a wicked world. And we'll see you again on Saturday morning with Show 4. Uh, in the meantime, thank you, of course, to Louise Pepper over there doing the weather. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Phil Wilding was producing. But as always, cheap yourselves. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show. Well, we know how that goes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.